I think this is indicative of a lot of Leonard Nimoy's work is <laughs> what he's known for as a director by the way he directed this movie. Welcome to Your Hunter Thousand Idiot, the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if there were any good to begin with. My name's DJ. Hi, DJ. I'm Damon. That's so casual. Professional. With that, that intro. Professional yet casual. Hey, DJ, I don't want to get too heady at the beginning, but yeah. when we die, do we all go to the three men and a baby set? We all become cardboard cutouts left <laughs> on set. And only until we get rid of, you know, we finish the business that we had to accomplish. We get rid of the cardboard cutouts within ourselves. <laughs> right. It's really the cardboard cutouts we made along the way. We all are born with at least three cardboard, cardboard cutouts, and they're all of Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, and Ted Danson. <laughs> and you have to get rid of them individually over the course of your life, or you will be left to walk this realm and until the, you have done so. The cardboard cutout of Christmas past the cardboard mm -hmm. cutout of Christmas. Anyway, of course we're talking about three men and a baby. Why would we not be talking about three men and a baby? It's what we do every week here is talk about three men and a baby. Dedicated to dramatically placed hot dog patron, dear patron. Dedicated whom, to. There's an whom, inscription in the corner of this page. <laughs> they're alive. Dramatically placed as, hot dog. As far as we know, and thus hopefully able to listen to this. We forgot. <laughs> and if not, they're on the set of Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> we forgot to say dramatically placed hot dogs in our thank yous. And this is our way of making up by bumping this movie that was it was honestly on the list but i don't know where but it made it shot to the top so you want to get your uh, request shoot to shoot to the top become a patron be a patron for a really long time yeah one of have our first forget, patrons ground floor patron you want to have do that. us forget your name in one of the days mm -hmm. and then and then that's it boom and then you better Question come mark? up with the movie quick because <laughs> we need it too sweet Question after mark, we forget Question your mark, name. step four profit <laughs> So we got Powerhouse, Ted Danson, who actually <laughs> is a powerhouse again. Steve Gutenberg. He wasn't powerhouse for a while. He was a semi-powerhouse when he had Becker, one of those shows that yeah. was just, it just seemed like a tax write-off because it was on, but I knew of no on. one watching it. Yeah. And uh, now he's back with The Good Place, which is also off the air. So I don't know why we're talking about him like his powerhouse. There was some other new show that came on that I don't think made it. It was one of those that like... Oh, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor, that's what it was. I watched, a few, I watched Mr. Mayor and enjoyed it fine, but it twerned no 30 Rock. Mm. Is that what it was supposed to be? Like that, that was the vibe? It was in the Tina Fey-averse. Mm. In fact, I think it was originally written as a potential like Jack Donaghy spinoff where he becomes a uh, mayor of Los Angeles, inexplicably. If you were a conscious adult at this period when this movie came out, which was 80, I'm going to say... 87 or 88. I don't know. Ah, oh, I was going to say 87. Okay. Do you want to look it up? You do it. Yeah. Look it up. 87. I have a question, but I, we'll, we'll wait till you find out. Question about 1987 or this movie? About this movie. About then you. go ahead. I'm ready. Okay. Is it 87? It is 87. Okay. Yeah. So if you were, I know you were alive, but you were not able to Thank make you. these sort Thank of you for theoretical leaps that I'm about to ask you. If okay. you were around in 87 and you had to guess... Which of these three powerhouse stars that were in this at the peak second, of their powers? Second mention of powerhouse. Yeah. I'm just. Peak I'm of just, their house of powers. Fact. 
Yeah. That's a fact. It, they are the mitochondria of the male leads of the 80s. <laughs> That's just a fact. Wow. Gutenberg, Danson, Stallone. Selleck. Okay. If you had to guess mm-hmm. what their status would be nigh nearly 40 years later, 30, I'm bad at math, 36 years later, would you say that Gutenberg would have been the one lost to the sands of time? Oh, Danson would Gut- still be near the heights. Selleck, he's around, and I would say he is probably making the most money because he's on like a CBS show that's been running for yeah. 51 years. It's a CBS show that it plays in funeral homes, retirement homes, nursing homes, yeah. and in my mother's living room, Blue Bloods, check it out at a reasonable hour on a weekday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He's probably doing quite well. Gutenberg, don't worry about him. He falls back on that printing press money, heir to the printing press <laughs> fortune. Anytime you I buy it was a book, the cotton gin. Anytime you buy a book, Steve Gutenberg gets a dime. So don't worry about him. He's not sweating. He's it. got that Bible, you know? Oh, yeah, that's that sweet, sweet Bible, Bible money. <laughs> Popular book, that. So he gets a little bit off the top of those Bible sales. That's how uh, Christy Cookies makes their money, too. I'm sorry, that was stupid. Christy Cookies! So stupid. So stupid. <laughs> Am I to presume that Jesus Christ founded Christy Cookie? Is that what I... Christy Cookie, my apologies. That's why they, they practically give hot cross buns away for free. They don't need the money. <laughs> this is a mess. This whole thing is a mess. Like, you it's have to mispronounce my... the name, and they're selling buns? You're not even, like, getting the I just, concept of I moved of on. Store. I was out of Christy Cookies, and I was moving on to hot cross buns. One a penny, two a penny. There's no profit on that. So this movie deigns to put forward the <laughs> the idea that men could take care of a child. Oh, and sci-fi I feel like practically, yeah, it's basically science fiction. What is the premise? They it just they're like buddies. These are like they're like full house buddies. They're then- he- hetero <laughs> heterosexual life partners. They're they're okay. in a heterosexual platonic thruple. They're already uh, they living a, together. Is that the purpose? Oh yeah, they're already in a cool house with a mural. I think these one of men them are, paints. These men are our age. Why are they living? Yeah, and they all seem to be like different levels of successful. Mid-40s. Like Ted Danson is an, an actor. Like he's a working mm-hmm. actor. Gutenberg, I think, is a cartoonist, relatable. And has painted a mural of them all across their penthouse. Why do they live to? Oh, and, and, and Tom Selleck, I believe, is an architect for reasons I remember that I'll go into shortly. But I don't know 80s? why they was live that the together. Reason? No, 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 no. It goes into the plot a little bit. Okay. I don't know why they live together. Right. But the it's reason expensive. they end up with the titular baby, I feel like that, I can't remember if I'm conflating this with Kindergarten Cop, but I feel like in the 80s, they always tried to tie in some sort of action light element into the story. And I feel like there's some sort of intrigue, possible drug dealing in this where they have the baby and they're trying to keep the baby away from 'er ne'er-do-wells, scallywags, and ruffians. Oh, yeah, because it's like, didn't... There's a chase scene in one of Tom Selleck's buildings. He's an architect, tied it back in. And there's like a chase scene, a semi like low stakes action sequence in in one of his high rises. Were one of them potentially the father? Is that sort of the part of it too? Yeah, I can't remember if that's, feel pro- like that's if there's tiny. a mystery going on as to who's the father, or if they know. I think, or if it's just like one of them and they know, but the mom like pieces out, drops the baby off. Mm. This movie orphan style. Also, you mentioned Kindergarten Cop, which is also sloshing around up there, but also. Look who's talking. I know they're completely different concepts, but just yeah. that there's like very 80s, like that I've, I definitely will remember a lot of this movie, but I don't 
I can't access it right now. Look Who's Talking does have a surprising action sequence. I don't think there's like any intrigue, but like at some point the baby gets into a cab on his own volition and starts like riding around. I feel like it's... Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers, he says. (laughs) The baby also falls in love with Sybil Shepard. It's a very weird... Like, you don't have to bring all of Bruce Willis's roles into this. He tries to slam the doors, but he just... Little chubby (laughs) hands can't do it. I feel like there was a thing, what we would call now, like, the four quadrants, where they're like, well, women will want to see three men baby. We need to have a reason for their husbands and boyfriends to want to keep their asses in the seat. So we have to bring in... That's why at one point the little girl has, like, two machine guns... (laughs) Nancy Travis comes in in a bikini and just starts saying the filthiest things you can imagine. But I think there's like an attempt to like keep the men interested so they have this light action sequence. I remember liking this movie. I don't know how well it's going to hold up. There's obviously going to be some stupid like these guys don't know what they're doing. I'm like, they're adult men. It's a baby. Like, yeah, it's going to be very stupid. Like, I feel like you guys, I mean, I'm not saying I don't have a kid, so I'm not saying it's not difficult, but I mean, it's like, keep it alive, change the diapers, feed it, console oh, it. But but how do you change the diapers when you're, you know, a businessman who's also trying <laughs> to bring ladies to his penthouse apartment that he shares with two men who are also successful? And the baby doesn't know about the sock on the door thing, so that really yeah, fucks up Yeah, that's weird, because he just keeps yeah. knocking and saying he got pizza down in the common room, but it's like, dude. <laughs> dude. We agreed dude. on this. <laughs> baby, dude. <laughs> Baby dude, coming this summer. <laughs> I bet you this baby is cute. I feel like that's a prerequisite. You know, I wish they had the cojones in a movie to just have a real fucking ugly baby <laughs> as the baby. And you probably have to get twins or triplets if you can, because, you know, they can't stay under those lights for very long. But yeah, baby's got all these fucking work rules. It's like, I'm literally an infant. I have no free will in this. Fuck you. What are you going to join <laughs> I didn't the union? choose this life. What are you going to join the union? Is that what you're going to do? Uh, waste of time. What we should do before we start watching is find out where the ghost is so we can be on the lookout yeah. for him. Or her. Yeah, Women can also be ghosts, Deej. Right. Yeah. I don't remember who, is it, who it's a cutout of. So if anybody doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, apparently there's this whole rumor, especially like in the days when you couldn't, We'd have to like pause things on a VHS and just be like, the tracking like really would be paused. all weird. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the thing that people claimed was a ghost that's like hiding behind the curtains in one of the scenes. I actually don't know which scene it is either. So we'll figure that out. But at one point, it, Celeste Holm, Oscar winner, is in a scene. I don't know who a character she plays. She's an older woman. She comes and she picks up the baby. And in the background, there is a figure standing amongst mm. the curtains in the background. It is a cutout of a- Ted Danson. Or at least that's what they'd like me to believe. Mm -hmm. We need a whistleblower for this situation. Big life ends at death uh, industry wants me to believe that there's there's no ghost. All these people want me to believe that I'm just a random happenstance (laughs) of atoms and electricity, and then when I'm dead, it's just over and get over it. And it's probably really hard, but it'll just be nothing. And I'm not buying it. I'll tell you. Can we talk about how dumb ghosts are? <laughs> I I think we have, but I'd love I to talk about it again. Every time I hear a ghost story, I'm like, you have to make so many leaps of logic to get to the spirit of a once living being 
is responsible for what I'm experiencing. I came into my kitchen and my cabinets were open. And I'm like, and so the obvious next step is that there's a sentient spirit who is trying to just mildly irritate you and somehow cross the plane from the spirit realm into the physical realm and opened all your cabinets. There's no other explanation. Message. And they're always like, Have you tried? I was sure I closed all those cabinets. I'm like, are you, or is the simplest explanation you weren't sure that you closed all those, or cabinets. that your cabinets don't shut properly? <laughs> and it's always like, it, like on you to be like, well, I just have some things that have happened to me in my life that I can't explain. Ugh. I'm like, I'm sure you do. Who doesn't? <laughs> and they're always like, oh, you know, I heard that someone died in this apartment. I'm like, someone's died in probably every apartment. That's what yeah. you live there until you're not living no more. Well, I mean, there's a limited number of white people who have died. <laughs> like, we literally, like, built an entire civilization on the grounds of, like, right. millions of people who lived here. Like, why wouldn't we be, like, mostly... Cavemen uh, ghosts? Dinosaur yeah, ghosts? Cavemen ghosts? Native American ghosts? Native European ghosts? Wherever you are? My favorite Do is yeah. the... Um... Kangaroo ghosts in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why aren't there more animal ghosts? Their business is accomplished they get all that's the shit true. done that's true that's the other life. thing like who doesn't have unfinished business <laughs> like what if i am 90 years old and i'm going to meet my friends at mcdonald's for coffee like i do every morning cuz that's what 90 year olds do <laughs> and then i die that night am i like have to walk the earth because i was going to meet my friends or is it more like oh i really pissed off my daughter or whatever that counts as unfinished business and who's in charge of declaring what's unfinished business also, like, does something happen to you when you're 90 that, like, you can't taste coffee anymore? And that's why you go to McDonald's and <laughs> You need of, like, it to, to burn. Ugh, ghosts are... My favorite is when people are like, you know, my grandmother, she died this weekend. And when I was sitting in my breakfast nook, I felt a chill. And I'm like, that's, that's your evidence? Well, did the chill smell like your grandma? What the fuck are you talking about? <sighs> if you were... To let's let's move on from ghosts because this, this movie has nothing to do with ghosts or does my it? open tab says three men and baby ghost which may sounds like a great third movie in the series where the baby I'm, dies and then they have to take care of the baby ghost because a baby would definitely have unfinished business because it never got to start it never got started business unstarted business <laughs> i have one question for you and i want to revisit it after having watched the movie okay great so can you please rank the three men in this movie not the baby in terms of fuckability hot men punditry is my uh, speciality mm -hmm. so i appreciate this opportunity to practice my Stop art selling. and here's my ranking number three dancing whoa sorry foreheads too he's much he's handsome but especially in the 80s he had that helm that sam malone helmet yeah. head that is just not attracted to me he's also got some he's got a he's got a five head yeah which look hey game recognizes game <laughs> but there's just something about him that's not my style i can see how he'd be someone else's jam yeah. but he is not mine gutenberg has a cute quality to him mm -hmm. uh, especially in the 80s you know we would have never put up with the kind of pranks he pulled at police academy mm -hmm. if he wasn't so attractive mm -hmm. and wearing crop tops and of course number one this is no surprise it's going to sell it. Mm. Like, look at him. Yeah. He's got those those dreamy eyelashes. The facial hair you don't associate with Tom Selleck. He's got great eyes with nice eyelashes. He's got the mustache. He's got the wavy hair. Just hairy all over, broad-shouldered. Yeah, of course. Duh. Tom Selleck. 
Now I'm just a one Chris Evans above a pure straight, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna quit bragging. I gotta swap those two. I think I'm a, I'm a good which I'm two. Good, There's good, three. Gutenberg's at the top for me. Really? Yeah. And then Selick. You know, I, I, present company included. I find mustaches upsetting. So <laughs> Gutenberg, Selick, Danton. Probably my favorite as far as body of work has to be Danton, just for good place and cheer. I like mm-hmm. Cheers too, but okay. And his guest spot on Frasier. Now, thank Christ that we've established that we're going to watch <laughs> this movie. Don't forget to bring it up again, or we're going to look like idiots. <laughs> yeah. We're going to watch Three Men and a Baby. Watch along with us. We'll be back after this. Stop saying back after this. I. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yuck. Okay, I'm going to do something unprecedented here. Okay, so oh, it no. is this this movie is like mainlining 80s. So I just want to say this is not something we've scripted. This is not something you know about. Oh, no. But I'm wondering if they're I'm never first if, off it's never something we've scripted. <laughs> I hope that's obvious to people. Can you imagine <laughs> if we scripted this nonsense? A lot of fat on this. A lot of fat on this podcast. That was written out. Really got to trim this down. So this is something I'm committing you to. On mic that you don't know about. So if I, I tell our, if I tell our listeners, hey, if you want to support the show, you can go to our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash yeah. Junior Child's an Idiot. And okay. I'm wondering if I can get you to commit to do a three men and a baby style cartoon mm-hmm. for our patrons of us. Sure. Or of who's Ted, the third I mean, man? Ted Danson seems like he's maybe if they uh, the next person. To sign up at, at the Richie Rich level gets uh, to be the third person. Don't sign me on for self portraits. I can't. <laughs> People always want a self portrait, and then I draw them, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't. I didn't want you to draw how I am. I want you to draw how I view myself." Oh, I want like, to be. Oh, what about- I don't have access to those files. Actually, what about their animals? Is that worse or better? I could draw an animal. Okay, two men and the animal <laughs> of your choice. This is not going as as I thought. He's really hard to pin down, everyone. Learn more about that as, as you become a Patreon supporter. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. The benefits I think it went well. roll in. <laughs> I can't believe we wrote that out in just a few minutes. We watched Three Men and a Baby. Damon, please recap this movie for, for <sighs> me, for you, for the entire human race. Another. I feel reference. like the recap is pretty much just the title... Just kidding. There's a lot more than that. Okay, so we got three men. They are um, heterosexual life mates, and they are living in a a very labyrinthine penthouse apartment in New York City, in New York State, in New York Country. And (laughs) (laughs) one day, Tom Selleck, Magnum P.I., almost Indiana Jones, arrives home and sees a baby in a bassinet on his stoop, if you can call him that, and Ted Danson, the third man, not third man records, but just the third man, he is off filming a film in Turkey, but Tom Selleck and Steve Gutenberg, the goot, they see a note in the baby bassinet from a woman who had once had penetrative sex, (laughs) presumably unprotected, with Ted Danson's character, and they're like, ooh, that Ted Danson, he's he's a cad, of the utmost vigor. 
And they hang out with the baby. Tom Selleck runs out to get nappies, as the British people would say, and uh, various foodstuffs for the baby. Now, Ted Danson, before he left, said that there would be a package arriving. And so they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he would think of a living human as a package. But Steve Gutenberg, as we all would be if a baby suddenly appeared before us and we had to take care of it, doesn't realize that his landlady brings a small package to uh, deliver that same day. Don't worry about it. It won't be a big thing. Anyway, hijinks, they buy the wrong size diapers. They have to, you know, wipe the baby's ass all the time because it's constantly shitting and pissing all over them. They're reading Dr. Spock. They're important for later. Feeding. Yeah, I was going to, I just actually clicked that together in my head. They have to feed the baby. They're learning all these paranoid things that, you know, uh, expecting parents learn. Is your baby allergic to iron? Is it uh, this? Is it that? I don't know. Babies. Oh, by the way, uh, that package I mentioned earlier, it's just heroin um, that uh, that is being delivered to the house. And drug dealers are coming to pick it up on Thursday. Tom and Steve and Ted, even, even though he's not there in habeas corpus, they are not aware that it's heroin. Yada, yeah, they're yada, not yada. actually involved in the. They just kind of got tangled right. up in it. They were just told a package would arrive. So Tom and Steve, thinking the package is the baby, hand the baby to the drug dealers who were there to pick up heroin. The drug dealers, I guess, assume, oh, the heroin must be in the bassinet or possibly in the baby, but we'll just take the living, breathing uh, human being with us. They give them formula, and they're like, okay, I get it. I guess that's this. Tom and uh, Tom and Jerry uh, take the uh, <laughs> Tom and Steve take the baby back, but now the police are on their case. Bye, bye, bye. Ted Danson eventually arrives home. They're all like in on the heroin hijinks and the baby hijinks. There's two sets of hijinks now. Eventually, they come up with an elaborate, possibly overly elaborate scheme to uh, trap the drug dealers, which they do, turn them over to the police. Then eventually, Nancy Travis, who is the mother of the baby, arrives with uh, regret at having abandoned her child. And wouldn't you know it, it all works out. And they become a foursome, a polycule, as the kids would say. And at one point, a ghost is there. <laughs> How'd I do? One of the worst recaps we've ever had. Absolutely. I, I, I take it all. It's mostly my fault. Yours partially, <laughs> but mostly mine. It's, it's partially mine. Also, the movie's fault because it's not, it's not as recapable as you would think. Because there are... You'd think this movie writes itself. Apparently not. Apparently there was a lot of flop sweat in the writer's room to get this out. Let's get we have right to, into It has that. to be 75 minutes? Get out of here. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. We got a cool 165 minute movie here. 165? No. That's, was this Oppenheimer? No, I just, I made that up. It's an hour and 45 minutes. Not bad. Hour and 45. Thank you, 80s. Yeah. It, it could have been a lot worse. I want to get into the plan first, even though I know that's kind of like later because they- When they trap the drug dealers? The drug dealers. Okay. So the drug dealers are somewhat threatening. Like, and, and of course, they're, they're just like, I don't know, put the baby in the trunk. They're kind of idiots, but they're also like kind of nice. And at the end of- They're, they're, they're threatening because they're drug dealers. It reminds me actually of Marvelous Miss Maisel, the like mean gangsters who are also like, yeah, I mean, we'd have to kill you, but we don't want to. So, like, Wait, when does like, she encounter gangsters in Marvelous Miss Maisel? Oh, have you not made it that far? <laughs> Did you finish uh, watching We gave it? up after season two, I think. 
Okay. Well, they're in there. I don't want to spoil Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Nobody signed up for okay. that. Okay. All right. Because at the end, so part of their plan is to have the goot hide in the ducts, goot and ducts. Mm-hmm. And he's filming on his enormous video camera, 87. It's not mm-hmm. his fault. Selleck giving the drugs back and basically making the drug dealers admit that they had nothing to do with it. Now, you, and you drugs- would, we had nothing to do with this. Is that right? And that's what he says aloud like, yeah. into a uh, cavernous. Yeah. <laughs> And he gets site. him to like repeat it and say it in a complete sentence. And the, the drug dealer seems to have absolutely no problem with this. He's gets like, him to yeah, show course, his work. Of course you didn't have anything page. to do with this. You're idiots. I'd <laughs> rather work with a professional. Like he, he's like, he's totally on board. And then Gutenberg, for some reason, tips over the entire air duct, which duct. was a fake air duct. Why doesn't he just go in a normal duct? Or any other space that wouldn't tip over. He says he lost his balance, though. That's his defense. Yeah. It is a very heavy, large camera. But I I forgot an essential part. Yeah. Yes. The third wheel of this three men and a baby wheel. Go ahead. Because this is the part I'm most confused about why it's necessary. So I think it was only to escape the apartment because their other henchmen are watching the three men and the baby, presumably, to make sure they don't. Well, she's always with those three men. Uh Even though they know they're meeting somewhere, I don't know. But basically, Ted Danson dresses in in pregnant drag. Some of the worst pregnant drag I've ever seen, (laughs) and I haven't seen much. And his belly is the baby, is young Mary. Mary is on like a little Bjorn, baby Bjorn, like kind of. They don't have, they didn't have those yet. Well, Norway. As counterintuitive as it would seem, if you just put a baby by your belly, it actually doesn't look like you're pregnant. It just makes you look like you have an octopus under (laughs) your trench coat. It looks so stupid. And it was just, I guess, to get past the henchman. At first I was like, is it to get past the doorman so the doorman doesn't think that anyone left the apartment? But why would the doorman care where the hell they're going? You can leave. You can wear drag. You're allowed to leave your apartment. There's not a curfew (laughs) or something. It was weird, but I think that's literally the only point of the drag was just to get out. That's how I understood it. But they still spotted him immediately. The camera like because well, he also showed them looking takes... and then showed them following him. Yeah, and he immediately takes off the drag when he rounds into the alley, but not entirely. He just takes off the wig. He still has a face full of makeup and is wearing like a lady's trench coat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know, dear listener, that we're going into a lot of detail about this <laughs> fairly, I mean, comparatively small scene in this movie, but it sticks out like a sore thumb. This heroine you know why plot they did it. To get Ted Danson in drag? Yeah. Because drag is funny? Yeah. Case closed. And they were like, wait a minute, what if we put a comedy actor in drag for the whole movie? And he's like watching some kids. Wait a minute, what if they're his own kids? <laughs> Write it up! <laughs> That's how Hollywood works. Yeah. Give and us five years. pay writers. It's mostly <laughs> the executives coming up with the ideas. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. So I apologize for, yeah, the starting on that, but it is, it's such a weird scene. And I feel like I looked down for a split second and I was like, why is Ted dancing in drag right now? Because he couldn't do blackface. So. Oh, uh, look it up, kids. Look it up. It happened once. I want to address the heroine though. Can we just talk about the heroine subplot as a, I, I mean, sure. before we get to the titular baby? Because I feel like this yeah. movie is three men and a baby. And, you know, a condom full of heroin. Uh-huh. 
It's such a weird choice, and I feel like it only exists so that they can have this sort of joke where they thought a package was arriving and the package is a baby. But rather than just like have it be a one-off joke and move past it, they keep this heroin plot going. And it's so counter to the main narrative of this lighthearted comedy of three committed bachelors watching a baby. It's so jarring (laughs) that I just kept getting taken out of it. And I forgot about the goddamn baby half the time because we were dealing with all this heroin. Yeah, right? I guess, I mean, the movie is like, it really is 60 to 70% the guy is dealing with the baby, which I, I think that is what we all remember. That is like the appeal of the movie. Right. And it's 60%. It's a bare majority. We have quorum yeah. on it being about the baby, technically. But it's it's 15% problematic womanizing weirdness at the beginning of the movie, kind of established them sure. as bachelors, which we can we can go into the corner, I suppose. And then the other 15% is like the the, the, heroin. The, the heroin and that whole subplot, which is, I guess, yeah, if, if you excise that whole thing, the only thing you do is have more room for character development because <laughs> it doesn't really, I guess it does up the stakes a little bit because they do threaten the baby. They do tear up the apartment. So it would make it like a smaller more character driven movie and this movie's like yeah we want we want the laughs and we want a little bit of character development but we got to like you said in the intro like we got to get the guys to come to this movie and it's like i don't know Are it we felt that, that way dumb? I mean, but yes <laughs> but it did feel like a macguffin that just stayed too long i mean macguffin of course in the original usage of the term not the current marvel usage of the term what they changed the- macguffin used to be something that Hitchcock used to call a MacGuffin just something to get the plot moving, and then it was easily forgotten after the mm. fact. Now it's become this thing where it's the thing we're all chasing throughout the entire movie. Ah. And I feel like the pack of the heroin thing or the package was just this thing to get this plot moving. But I'm going to say something. <laughs> that, stay with me, though. Finally. It reminded me a lot of The Dark Knight <laughs> in that- um, What? Hold on. In that, I feel like the B-plot overtook the A-plot. In that, when you watch The Dark Knight, what do you think about? The Joker. And if you remember watching, I remember watching The Dark Knight. And every time I've seen The Dark Knight since, when they catch The Joker, I'm like, and now the credits roll. And you're like, oh, right, all the Two-Face stuff. And then you sort of, you have to go through this thematically important part, which is all this Two-Face stuff. But the fact that- The hero uh, Heath Ledger was so, exactly. Heath Ledger was so electrifying that you think about the Joker the entire time. Like that Mm. he sort of owns that movie, even though it's really about this like dualism between the hero and the villain, blah, blah, blah. And that feels like this movie in that when they catch the drug dealers, I'm like- we got it all sorted out. Oh, right, the baby <laughs> and the and the mother and all the, oh, we got to sort of sort all this stuff out. It's a very weird feeling that the movie just keeps going after this very high stakes element is resolved and there's still about 25 minutes left in the movie, which means that they sing goodnight, sweetheart, uh, after they sort out the drugs. And then Nancy Travis's character first appears after the drug stuff is resolved. It's just so weird. It sort of swamps the movie because it's so unbalanced to the rest of the the movie, I feel like. 
Yeah, and I could be alone in this, but I have completely forgotten that element of the plot because what the I remember drugs is plot? yeah the what's important uh, uh, I feel like what you take away from this movie the like the good parts are the guys figuring out how to deal with a baby and like the no that's the charming part that's why it's so yeah. incongruous that there's this yeah heroine just hanging around like the sword of Damocles throughout the whole movie I think this is indicative of a lot of Leonard Nimoy's work is <laughs> what he's known for as a director by the way he directed this movie. The sound I made when his name came up at the uh, end of the opening this is what credits. It was. Uh, I, gu- I guarantee that was what it was. I screened Leonard Nimoy and Tyler, <laughs> to his credit, didn't even look up from his phone. <laughs> but I still was shocked. That's my, <laughs> my favorite reaction. Do it. Do it. Leonard Nimoy. Tyler, Tyler. I was reading a book in this character because <laughs> no, that funny. you don't lick your finger. I like that you're turning the, the page, even though you were scrolling and then immediately start turning. I was the reading. Page. I was scrolling. Tyler actually like, came in. He was like, "Why are you yelling my name?" <laughs> I thought it was I was a doing kitty. a reenactment. You're fine. So, as you pointed out, that means Mr. Spock was directing a movie where someone references Doctor Spock. Isn't he also Dr. Spock or is he? Uh, no, he's Mr. Spock. He didn't. Mr. Spock. Dr. Spock okay. is his dad. <laughs> anyway, that was a joke. Other than one of, he Leonard Nimoy directed one of the Star Treks. Which one? I think he directed two of the Star Treks. But yeah, I don't know two, if he's okay. directed anything else. Didn't I? <laughs> he directed that awesome episode of The Simpsons. He was also a guest star on. Leonard Nimoy. So weird. There's something I need your take on. You're Please. an artist. Thank How you. was Gutenberg's cartooning? He cartoons all over the... We got to talk about this apartment, but let's talk about the drawing first. He this draws apartment all is over. insane, and I'm a little jealous of the apartment. But yeah, in their opening... I don't know why the elevator just doesn't open into their apartment, because it seems like it just opens, and their apartment hallway, is the entire floor. And then another door. Right. And they so paint it, it all over the hallway, so I presume that the neighbors don't have... That's not their egress as well. No, there's no neighbors. There are no yeah. neighbors on their floors. Their apartment is the entire floor. Insane. I liked it. I liked the uh, cartoon style. It was very Hirschfeld-influenced. Mm-hmm. I will say this. The portrait he does at the end, which includes the Nancy Travis's character, not as good. No. The baby looks like a little demon the baby. baby. It looks like... You know when Jack Jack at the end of The Incredibles like starts turning into like a little demon babe? That's what it looks like. Yeah, it was definitely Rosemary's Baby. That was bothersome. But the original version I really liked. Yeah. Another thing, he does put his name plaque right on one of his caricature's chest, the, the caricature of him. And I'm like, put it down at the bottom. Don't put it, don't put it right there. It's weird. Yeah, It's calling attention to the name, not the artwork. He is a cartoonist. Steve Gutenberg is a cartoonist, an old school cartoonist for the funny pages. So if you said to him, see in the funny pages, you might mean that literally. He All these, drew, fan- a these are 80s cool fantasy cat? jobs. Oh, They're, yeah, uh, absolutely. A cartoonist, a professional cartoonist that makes enough to pay rent, an actor, <laughs> and then an architect, which it seems like, and I don't think this is like, this is referenced by the movie, but uh, like the architect is actually... Paying the rent, it seems like everybody else <laughs> right. is like. Well, Ted Danson gets spotted rent at yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. It also seems like if you had these jobs, why wouldn't you have your own apartment? As we discussed at the beginning of this 
at the yeah entrance. they don't really talk about it but it does just seem like they like hanging out which i think is like they like fucking women in close proximity to each other yeah let's get into that let's go into the damon's problematic corner hit the music oh one two three four It's DJ's Problematic Corner this time. I didn't I have really a have a problem for that. with it. I don't have a theme song for that, so it's still your still your. Well, corner. I guess I still, I'm still paying the rent on the corner, so I'm, I guess <laughs> it's, uh, it's mine in perpetuity. So the main problem, okay, we can just throw Ted Danson did appear in blackface once. We can just throw that in there. <laughs> That's it not in the movie, though. That's just not, in his life. He appeared not in Not related once. to this movie, and it was when he was dating Whoopi Goldberg. The main problem is misogyny, and I'm glad to hear that you don't have a problem with that. (laughs) So good job. But it's weird because the whole beginning of the movie, there's like a montage of them like bringing women into the apartment, kicking them out, getting like one woman getting mad because she, it seems like they're inferring that she slept with both of them and she was mad at, and she punches Tom Selleck in the sun or something in the stomach. Oh, I took uh, it when what, I, I figured she had a thing with Ted Danson's character. And when she came out, she tried to go back in and hit Ted Danson. And when Tom Selleck came out, he was just the person there. So she punched uh, him. Okay. I didn't think okay. there was a relationship between them. Okay. I might have just inferred that because they were like doing so many. So many back women. Back and forths. Yeah. They and, were doing uh, so many women. What we're establishing here is like, these are not the kind of guys who are gonna take care of a baby. And they're right. they're cads, they're ne'er do wells, mm-hmm. they're what's another one? Lady killers, lady killers, bon vivants, <laughs> <laughs> scallywags. Did I use that in the in- introduction? No, I don't think so. The other two guys, the goot and the stash, say about Ted Danson's character that man is one giant gland. <laughs> because, I just giggle at that. Yeah, I was like, what is gland? Here's the thing. I mean, yes, it was comical, the amount of women they were having coming in and out of their apartment. I guess I wasn't that offended by it. It didn't feel like they were lying to the women. In fact, like in the birthday party scene, we find out that Tom Selleck has an open relationship with his girlfriend and they openly date. And at, at one point he calls her over while she's on a date with a cellist. We know he's a cellist because he literally had a cello with him. They're on their way to the symphony. But yeah, but wouldn't he she's be, on a why date. would he be going with her to yeah. the symphony he's performing? You were supposed to be there like three you hours You should be ago, there bro. for like sound checks or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what they do at symphonies, but it doesn't feel like you should just arrive when it starts. It feels like you should be there for no. tuning up or at least, you know, get the catering or whatever. They gotta all whatever. hit the A for, you know, mm, they gotta do that for like six or seven hours. No, that's part of the show. He's sorry, cello. So I didn't. I wasn't bothered by the womanizing because it felt like there wasn't there wasn't like lying and uh, trickery yeah. going on. Maybe you might say that about Ted Danson's character, who seems like the least upstanding of the cads. Yeah. But I was actually kind of surprised that there was a portrayal of like kind of an open relationship at the beginning of this, and it did not devolve into. You know what? After having this baby, I really realized I need to settle down and have a monogamous partnership with you in a traditional Christian wedding. <laughs> I was uh, kind of surprised that that didn't happen for yeah, any of the I, gentlemen. I don't want to hand fe- wave instead, it they away. Entered into a polycule with Nancy Travis. Yeah, I don't want to hand wave it all away, but it also was not the most egregious. It was it was a little gross at the beginning. Sure, but also 
we don't really hear other than Rebecca. We only get to hear from Nancy or uh, Nancy Travis, uh, Sylvia. We only hear yeah. from Sylvia and Rebecca. That's like the only sort of other side of the coin that we get. And right. Sylvia, although she's up, she doesn't seem upset at to Dan's character, whose name I can't remember. Jack. She's uh, Zach. Did you Is say his name Zach? Jack? Jack. Oh, Jack. Maybe it's Jack. I was like, no, it's definitely not Zach. Um, <laughs> Zach! <laughs> is it Gak? It they, is Jack. Uh, Jack, okay. She doesn't seem upset with Jack. And then Rebecca actually is the one, like you said, that actually kind of is like, look, we had a deal. You can't come crying to me just because you are in this situation that I had nothing to do with. And that right. was when kind he of calls her over to, have to watch the kid. I know we're not using the Bechdel test, but we definitely didn't pass it because none of the No, true. But I feel like the title told us we probably weren't going to be passing the Bechdel test. Yeah. How many men? Okay. Is there anything else uh, problematic in this that we need to... Well, there is one thing. One of the other things, this is a... uh, All right. Or a thing that surprised me. I won't say it's a good thing, but there are a few moments when the men try and sort of trick women in their lives. We just alluded to one instance. Trick women in their lives to watch the baby for them, or at least help them with the baby. And Tom Selleck calls up Rebecca, his girlfriendish woman, and she's like, I don't know anything about babies. And then at one point, Jack, when he finally arrives home, Ted Danson's character calls his mom, Oscar winner Celeste Holm, and he's really like laying it on thick. And he's like, oh, wow, you have an instant connection. Just something you'd never see, uh, you know, aside from between a grandmother and her granddaughter. And she's like, all right, cut the crap. What do you want? Yeah. And he's like, can you watch the baby or help me with the baby? And she's like, no. And then she sort of leaves. And I was like, why did you hire Celeste Holm to play this one note, this sort of like (laughs) character who like floats in and then immediately floats out? But I was surprised because the women were pretty straightforward and varied in that one, you know, Rebecca's character is like, I don't know anything about babies. Why would you just assume I know babies because I'm a woman? And then Celeste Holm, who loves children, is like, I don't want to watch your kid. That's I don't automatically want to do this. The only one is... Is that their landlady, the woman who, yeah. who pops in Mrs. several Hathaway. times? Mrs. Hathaway. She does love children, and she couldn't have children, so she happily babysits at one point. I think it's tied up by drug dealers. We already talked about it. <laughs> the one we already time. talked about she the drug dealers. She doesn't seem that upset about it, actually. She's like, Peter! Please <laughs> untie me. Because they left her tied up. They were concerned the, about the baby. For the baby. But then there was this alternate thing where all the women who do not have speaking parts in this movie, it's like fucking children of men. Like no one has seen a baby in New York City before. There's a scene where they're at the park and oh, yeah. a gaggle of women are just floating around these men as if babies had just arrived from space. Like you're saying it's a human being that's smaller than us? It was very <laughs> odd that all the non-speaking women in this movie, all the background women are just like fascinated that a man could touch a baby and a baby might be in their presence. It was so weird to me. Okay, I think we're out of the problematic corner. We've addressed it. Yeah. That was my only problem. The the, the women, the non-speaking women just floating around like they'd seen a ghost. Some light misogyny in this movie. Kick kick out of the corner. (laughs) A one, two, three, four. This is more general about the guys in the movie. Like, they're all like 36, right? Like, they... You've what? I was just going to say, I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, go ahead. They are all younger than us and much more successful. Yes. But I, these 
are guys that I don't know the the Gutenberg. He's the boyish, most boyish looking one. But these are like mm. men who have like definitely been around a baby before. <laughs> you, I don't know. Like Absolutely. I don't know how you would avoid it. These are definitely some guys also that have gone Dutch on an abortion. Like, come on, you're not welcoming so many people into your home without at least driving someone to the clinic. Yeah, I mean, I don't see. I mean, you've never slipped one past the keeper. Uh, to, to quote Seinfeld, <laughs> I, I probably have, but I don't think it matters in my <laughs> instance. No, I I think it's funny enough that you don't have to think about it. But it is like, okay, I do like that they each kind of had different reactions. I, I they didn't. It wasn't as boilerplate as it could have been. Like Gutenberg is like the most like kind of recoiling, but he's also the first to find. <laughs> Mary, so he's he like has to watch the baby. Yeah, so he's like, "What do I do?" And I feel like Tom Selleck's character like immediately sort of takes charge and is like, and feels the most responsible. And then Ted Dan's mm-hmm. character is is the actual father, and I do think he has a real connection with her. And I thought that could have been a lot more. You know, each one just kind of plays the dope for a second, and they do some of that. But I do think they had genuine character beats for each of them, and I thought that was kind of cool. And most importantly, and I wanted to put the twins that play young Mary up as the MVPs because to get away with a movie like this, you have to have a baby that's cute as fuck. And yeah, the twins that play Mary are, I can't remember their names and they didn't consent to appear nude in a movie. uh, But yet here we are. (laughs) Lisa Blair and Michelle Blair play Mary. It's a cute, it's a cute baby. Babies. Babies. Cute. Who knew? Yeah. I I will say, to this movie's credit, it did not fall into the men don't know what's going on as much as I yeah. thought it would. It really does play into, hey, you know what will be surprising to anyone? Suddenly having yeah. a baby <laughs> that you have to take care of yeah. and you have no means of, you know, handing off to someone else. And, and they have I to keep it quiet. The baby. That was that was an element that I think was important is they couldn't just like they wanted to keep it within people they knew. They didn't want to just call a babysitter because then they right. might get out that I think it was a clever plot device of like why they couldn't just call everyone and be like, can anyone fucking help us? Because, oh, because it's Jack's baby and they didn't want to out Jack. Well, and they were told to keep it quiet and they didn't know why. All they because right. he's in Turkey, he can't explain to them that he actually wasn't talking about the baby at all. <laughs> all he said was, "There's a package coming. Be discreet about it," because that's what the guy said to him, and right. he didn't know it was drugs, and he certainly didn't know it was a baby. Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it was surprising that it was handled as good as it was, and they sort of kick into action fairly quickly. At least Steve and Tom, they both sort of like uh, they go, go for with it. the flow try to pretty to quickly and yeah. and get it. It's very charming and not as pandery like men are morons type thing. Sounds like I'm a men's rights advocate, like I'm that I'm, you know, going to bitch about the Barbie movie in a few minutes. I'm just saying like, that's its own form of sexism is like saying, well, you know, the only people who can keep a baby, women, they're the only one who can keep a baby alive. So they have to do it. He like at one point, my favorite is uh, Tom Selleck. So they... Finally get the baby to sleep and then the windows are open and a siren goes by and they like quickly get up and like try to close the windows and like close the blind. And he just like makes himself big to like block the sound. He does. He uses him like a throw pillow and he's just sort of like just moving like a like he's doing semaphore. It is funny. 
And I mean, honestly, I mean, that is what I hear from my friends who have babies, is that you're just sort of like, you're not doing semaphore necessarily oh. to block sound okay. waves, but you're just sort of improvising until you, you figure out what you're doing. One story I've heard from almost all of my friends who have had babies are when you go to the hospital to deliver the baby, when the hospital then hands you the baby to take home, they're like, this doesn't feel like you shouldn't be handing me this baby. Yeah. This seems weird that I entered with two people and now I'm leaving with a third person suddenly. Yeah. And I think that sort of panic and not knowing what you're doing is very relatable and just sort of faking it until you make it and hope the baby doesn't die at any point during those faking it periods. Wow. Um, Thanks for spoiling the end of the movie there. Most of them don't die. Yeah. Think of all the fucking idiots you know that have children. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So many. I will say this. There aren't a lot of laugh lines in this, but you pointed out with the um, Tom Selleck trying to block the sound from coming in through the open windows. I do think that the guys in it sell a lot of these lines better than they are written, per se. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of, like, beats and jokes, but I think that these three guys can make, like, ordering a cup of coffee funny. And I there's at one point Tom Selleck, what, I think this is actually when Ted Danson's character finally arrives home and they're showing him the baby. Tom Selleck says, well, I arrived home one day and I saw this bassinet and inside the bassinet was this baby. <laughs> and he says it very charming and I laughed. I mean, that's purely delivery. You could, yeah. you could deliver that line with a straight face and it not be a laugh line, but I, Tom Selleck sold it as a joke. He also at one point is reading to the baby and he's reading from like sports illustrated or like a boxing <laughs> yeah. uh, book or something. And he's like, it doesn't matter what I say. It's how I say it. She doesn't understand the words. And so he's just reading <laughs> what he wants. The, the champ began the fifth round, like a man possessed. Like I really liked that <laughs> It's really, I don't know if this is so much a criticism, but it's something that charmed me is that it's, it's really Tom Selleck and a baby. And then these other oh, guys yeah. are around like, cause he's, he carries the movie. I feel like, in a way that I I wasn't prepared for, I guess. He's the Mo of the group. He's the leader. Yes. Steve Gutenberg, I wanted a little bit more from him. We see at the beginning that he's maybe the least womanizing of the womanizers. Yeah, he's the sensitive one. He's the sensitive one. They sort of tease him that every time he takes a woman back into his, his room, she ends up getting back together with her ex-boyfriend. Might be the puppets, Steve. <laughs> I'm also assuming that this comic strip he has is like a Garfield clone. Yeah, it's a cool Because he has licensed puppeture that he uses yeah. on women and babies. Doesn't oh, work I on did either laugh. I was just reminded of a funny line that I liked, which was when they have to change the baby for the first time and Steve Gutenberg goes, wait, she's a girl. Should we be doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the ghost. Okay. You pointed out. That ghosts are dumb. Go on. Ghosts are dumb. We went, <laughs> you went on an extended rant about ghosts are dumb. And uh, frankly, I'm offended. But also... As the, as the grandson <laughs> of ghosts, I can tell you that I'm offended by your cavalier attitude towards the afterlife. As someone who is, I assume, surrounded by ghosts right now, <laughs> it is painfully obvious on nowadays on HD big screen TVs that you can pause, which I didn't even pause. It's very clearly the cutout of Ted Danson that appears later in the movie. It is like not even close, not remotely a ghost. 
I, I wouldn't paused have even it, thought actually. I paused it for Tyler. I'm like, Tyler, you want to see the ghost? And he came in and I hit play. And, you know, Celeste Holm is holding, picking up a baby. And then she walks by and there's the figure in the back. And he's like, it's just a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. Like, not just can you recognize it's a cardboard cutout. He could see the face of Ted Danson on the cardboard cutout. <laughs> yeah. HD, you ruin wig lace fronts that don't get blended <laughs> properly. You ruin prosthetics in movies. And now you sometimes ruin, you know, background sets. Yep. And now you ghost fucking story. ruin ghosts. <laughs> you busted a ghost. Congratulations, yes. HGTV. Now who are you going to call? HD. <laughs> it sounds like I'm saying HGTV. It does which sound is confusing. Like, that. like Like Magnolia ruined ghosts for us. <laughs> Speaking of charming things, though, uh, when Ted Danson is watching Mary by himself the first time, he presents the bottle like a French waiter. Oh, uh, I did. La- I did. Charming. I wrote that here. I wrote Ted Danson and the bottle exclamation point, which means what you just said. The baby had a little hard hat when. Um, first of all, that's not safe. Definitely don't. Still don't take the baby to the construction site. You could take I mean, her that to hard work. Seemed pretty flimsy. Seemed like a party hat. And I mean, if an eye beam falls on her head, her skull is fucked yeah like it's over yeah. for her it's uh you know you're an architect like i know you have to do site visits but like most of your work is not on site so do you think actually not to lead us astray but do you think babies getting loose in architectural sites or something they teach you about when you are training to become an architect yeah you have to based watch on the short films i've seen yeah babies are always getting loose in construction sites mm-hmm. usually followed by the dog that was put in <laughs> charge of watching them mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll walk and they'll be coming to the edge of the I-beam and then the next I-beam comes, just narrowly, you know, walks it. Because babies have no sense of object permanence. Once you put them on a track, they just go, you know, straight until you stop. That's the training footage. It's like OSHA makes you watch Babies Day Out. Um, A few episodes. Buttons and Mindy from Animaniacs. Mindy. uh, That one Roger Rabbit uh, (laughs) cartoon. Okay. Now, I talked a little bit about some of the kind of baked in misogyny. So I don't want to participate in that, but what the fuck is the accent that Nancy Travis is doing? (laughs) What is happening? You're absolutely right. It's okay to criticize women (laughs) when they do bad accents. Don't judge them for their looks, but judge them by their accents. The content of their accent. (laughs) So if you don't know who we're talking about, this is the, the, I know her as, the romantic lead in So I Married, so an, I married ex- an Ex Murderer. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's, I, I, I don't she's know British, if because she's going home to stay with her parents. Oh, I meant Nancy Travis. Oh, no, 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 no. I feel like Certainly she's not. Southern. Is she not Southern American, not Southern English? No. Yeah, she's Liverpudlian, I, I believe. Oh, she's from New York. Get out of here. Oh, no, then I, I don't know. But like, at first I didn't understand. I, you know, he did, Jack does have like a throwaway line that like says, I met her, blah, blah, blah. And he might've said that she's English in that, but like the accent she does, she's like- She was in London doing Taming of the Shrew and she was- That's what it was. Yeah. But she comes in, she's like, ah, what? And I like, I can't even do it. I can't even do it. First of all, I'm bad at- Because it's not a real accent. First of all, I'm bad at accents as well, but I wasn't in this movie. Okay. It's like when, I mean, it's like when you try on an accent as like, say, an eight-year-old boy, just to see what it feels like (laughs) for a little bit and walk around and, you know, use it. Maybe if you have the cojones to try it on a stranger and see if you trick them. Did you do it? But it's it's, uh, once, once, maybe. Did it work? And no one called me out on it. Oh. They probably turned around and go, who the fuck does this guy think he is? I can smell the Goodlettsville, Tennessee on him. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the best 
accent. And even Tyler said, where is she from? When she yeah. started talking, I'm like, in the movie or in life? Because in the movie, she is English. I didn't like it. And it was upsetting. And it made me uh, immediately not sympathetic to her character, which are, is already wow. a little bit, I'm already a little unsympathetic because she Maybe fucking Maybe criticizing left. the way women talk isn't a good thing. <laughs> well, she did also abandon a baby at a doorstep. <laughs> True. In a classic, I mean, everyone knows the rule is you take it to a firehouse. You don't yeah. take it to the father of the or children. Or gently nestle it in reeds on the side of a river. Mm, that's you good. know, if if the pharaoh calls for all the execution of all the Jewish children, place it in some reeds. Now that's a reason to abandon a baby. I'm like, I, sorry, Moses's mom, but I think I'd rather the baby die instantaneously than just let it get baked in the sun on the rivers of the Nile. In a desert biome? What are you, insane? I know it all worked out, but I'm still going to have to bring you back in to the precinct of, you know, the southern kingdom of Egypt. Oh, I'm falling apart. Yes, her accent sucks. It is kind of cute. I mean, it's all a little too neat, but it works for the two-thirds of the movie that is as low stakes as this Part I'll build is. you a new room. What? What is this apartment? What do you mean? There's, it's an apartment. You can't just have rooms hanging off of it. Although they have a lot of fucking rooms. This, it must be more of a condo situation because they've done a lot of work to this. Not just Well, they the have painting. a courtyard in the center. Did you catch that? Yeah. I love that. There's a, like a little pigeon coop. They have a little uh, a corridor where uh, Tom Selleck keeps all his gym stuff just out in the open. Yeah. Put that away, you grosso. Yeah. They have a very open air, bright kitchen. With studio lights. Oh, yeah. Hanging from Gorgeous. the ceilings. With a wine fridge that later becomes a milk bottle fridge. Mm. Can you it's a very nice apartment. And I'm sure they have plenty of rooms they're not using. They probably have like a, you know, a Fifty Shades of Grey room back there, knowing these three <laughs> gentlemen that they could convert into a nursery and or woman's yeah, I guess bedroom. So. I guess so. But yeah, eventually she she's about to go to England and they got as much cliche in at the end as possible. She's going to go to England. They, you know, drive to the airport. They run to the airport. Well, they literally, they take a cab to the airport. Pre-9-11, airport security is like a fever dream. I can't believe deranged. I was alive Absolutely when deranged. that happened. So naturally, because of security, they're able to walk right up to the gate <laughs> that the plane is leaving out of, and they miss her, and they go back to their apartment, and lo and behold, Nancy Travis is just laying there. Not laying there. She's sitting there waiting for them to come back. Yeah. And, you know, she's apologetic, and she couldn't she couldn't go back to England because she knew it was essentially giving up her career. Yeah, not, not because she felt bad for them. No, who cares? <laughs> they can make their own babies. They seem to be very able. They have the means and the symmetrical looks and corporeal tautness yeah. to welcome as many women w- wanting to try out motherhood as they can. Yeah. Wanting to try out motherhood. <laughs> I was. I, I meant to just sort of like walk away, but then I, I wasn't ready to with a new sentence. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I failed you on that one. Friends are supposed to help pick each other Don't up. Don't ever let me <laughs> self-examine what I just said. The only other thing I want to point out before we go to the verdict is yeah. the random appearances of early or mid-80s or early 90s comedians. Colin Quinn is on the street a, selling the little giraffe Selling, dinosaur. He's like working at a, news, as a, at a newsstand, but also selling the most quintessential giraffe doll that, yeah. that every baby, that's on every baby registry known to Does man. he call it a dinosaur or does Tom Selleck call it he a dinosaur? He calls it a dinosaur, which like, I'm that's like- That's a giraffe. <laughs> everyone on earth recognizes that that is a giraffe. 
Like, yeah. get out of here. Luckily, the other woman who's running the stand with him is like, that's a giraffe. But uh, um, Mario I don't Joyner, know why Tom Selleck got so mad. It's, you're yeah. getting the thing you wanted. It it's not matter. like he grabbed a dinosaur-shaped one. He got you the giraffe. Just let it go, man. Dave Foley yeah. is in it. And it was so startling to me. Dave Foley just plays a clerk who's pricing things at the grocery store. Tom Selleck comes up to him and says, where's your baby, baby food aisle? And he says, aisle three. And he points in a direction which is completely roundabout direction than, yeah. than what would be easiest to go down. And I was like, I bet he gets overwhelmed and he comes back to Dave Foley because why would you hire Dave Foley to be in this movie? And then I remember Dave Foley's not Dave Foley. He's not really He's Dave just Foley. some Canadian yeah. who got to be in this movie. So he never revisits him again. And who is the, there was another, the, the cab driver. Mario um, Joyner. He's a, just a comedian. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I only recognize him by face. And then I looked him up. I'm like, I know that name. And I know if he like used to host the Comedy Central, like half hour comedy yeah. thing. And he's been he's in a few Seinfelds, yeah. I remember as well. If you like were in any sort of had any sort of interest in like 90s comedy, you probably saw his face. But I definitely once I saw once you mentioned his name and I didn't recognize him when you texted it to me. But when he popped up, I'm like, that's that guy, the guy. that guy. Do you want to go to the verdict or do you have something? Uh, I have one more thing. I want to ask you this. Yeah. Is Steve Gutenberg the proto Dave Coulier? In terms of his relationship with Alanis Morissette or. <laughs> you mean. In terms of. The character. This is pretty much just. I mean, this is a proto full house. It really is. We yeah. dealt with wow. a lot of yeah. like. We have my two dads in the 80s. Which I barely remember, but it has Paul Reiser we had to have of like, Aliens fame. We had to have 25 years of table setting before we could accept the <laughs> m- the most minimum gay culture. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Two heterosexual men yeah. in a room together. Can you even imagine a world? <laughs> How ludicrous this is. <laughs> and then we also have Full House. And I feel like these three guys really do correspond to the Full House guys fairly easily. Yeah. Tom Selleck would be the Bob Saget. Because he's probably the most mature, but yeah. also if you get him in a comedy club, his jokes are filthy. Mm-hmm. And then Uncle Jesse is a musician, but you know Jack yeah, Ted Danson is an actor and kind of the most most womanizing of the womanizers. And then Dave Coulier used to do just funny. Wood, didn't he have a woodchuck puppet? Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Was he a comedian in the in Full House? I think so. I think he is. Did we watch Full House? We did. I blacked it out. Yeah. It's for the best. All right. Oh, I did also one final thing. I thought this was interesting. If we want to sort of touch on Damon's queer corner, corner is spelled with a Q. Okay. Hit the theme music. <laughs> Just you humming. Just play with Rain and Men. What a, put some more gay shit on. At one point, Ted Danson, I don't know if you clocked this, but Ted Danson takes a, a pillow and sort of stuffs it under his sweater. Yeah. And sort of admires himself in the mirror when, when as if the he baby were has a been pregnant taken woman. Away. Yeah. And I thought, I feel like, Ted, you're going through something different than the other two gentlemen are, are going through. It feels yeah. like you might be questioning your gender presentation just really briefly. It was just such an odd moment. I'm like, I don't think I would do this if I missed a baby. I think this is something else, Ted. Yeah. It's not like postpartum because he didn't carry the baby. You didn't. Give birth to the baby. Yeah. I we didn't even know the baby existed know. until a few days ago. I just I just noticed it and I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe uh whoever wrote that section of the movie. Elliot Page. Oh. Uh <laughs> wait, no, that's <laughs> wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Laverne Cox. All right, yeah, let's go to the verdict. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm going. I made the most mouth noises the minute That's you started talking. Swishing water in my mouth, on mic, then gulping like a cartoon character who's lying. And now just talking about it. Go Hours. on. You were saying something about your thoughts on this movie? I don't think I have a Sally Field award, so I might need to lean on you for that. I definitely want to nominate- give it to the ghost. To the ghost. <laughs> I definitely want to nominate the twins for- MVP, Catherine, yeah. Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP Award. They weren't, they didn't have a lot of laugh lines, but if you don't have a cute baby, you can't, you can't have this movie. So it's like Grogu on The Mandalorian. You can't, that show doesn't work if it's not a very cute baby. So. Sure. It would be a, a weird movie, a weird heroin driven movie without the baby. <laughs> I also want to very importantly change my verdict on hotness level of the men. Hmm. Tom Selleck. What did you say originally? I think I said, Goot, Goot Selleck, Selleck dancing, I think. Yeah. It's not even close Selleck as the winner of this movie. Absolutely. And I think Did we do we- Fuck Mary Kill on the <laughs> in the first round? I don't think we did. Do you want to do that? I mean, I feel like it's obvious what Fuck Mary Kill would be. And I think if anyone said anything different, you'd have to put them down. It'd be like a dog. It'd be uh Selleck dancing goot, right? Well, I I mean, what are you saying? Fuck you Mary have to Kill. say that you'd fuck Selleck. Selleck. Mary, Mary Ted Danson. I mean, I just want to get rid of Goot. I don't know what happened. I'll I'll take the other ones either way. I, well, my fuck Mary Kill is fuck Selleck because we yeah learned some things from some of the ladies that talked about him. Mm-hmm. Oh Kill yeah, Ted Danson. We didn't even talk about the fact he's that he's the most annoying. Yeah, he is annoying. You're right. And then marry the Goot because he's sensitive and he's he likes to draw. All right, but then I would get competitive about the drawing thing. I totally forgot that Rebecca just grabs his junk. Oh, yeah. She grabs whose junk? She grabs Steve Gutenberg's junk? She grabs Steve Gutenberg's junk, right? Is it Gutenberg or Danson? I can't remember. One of them. She doesn't grab the her boyfriend's junk. She grabs no. the other guy's junk and says, implying that Tom Selleck has a big dick. It's uh, definitely written by a man. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's deranged. This whole movie yeah. is deranged. I just want to say I was wrong uh, for oh, where sorry. I ranked Selleck. He's, he's, uh, he's looking foin in this movie. Oh, yeah. I think- Mustache uh, and all. I stand by my original one, which I yep. think was you had Selleck, Selleck Goot, yep. Danson. Okay, no so, offense, Mr. Danson. Most importantly, my verdict of this movie, you're in trouble. Oh, right. Not an idiot. I think this is charming enough. <laughs> is it a good movie? No, but I was charmed more than I expected to be because I was expecting this to be like kind of uh, men are idiots. Can you imagine? But I was actually very charmed. I think the heroine subplot is weird. I think there are some problems with uh, how they set them up as womanizers, just inherently how you treat women in general. But uh, the women actually in this movie, I don't think they got that bad of a a deal other than the random junk grabbing that I totally forgot about somehow. (laughs) So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put it just on the flip side of, of your entire is not an idiot. What about you? I'm also on the fence, but I think I'm going to tip the other way. It is a charming movie. It's fairly lightweight, possibly almost too lightweight. I think they could have gone a little bit more in any other direction, even if they had made them, if they had gone into the more casually sexist way of like, men don't know what they're doing. I feel like at least would be a little bit more funny of a movie. It felt fairly light. It feels like a very Saturday afternoon type movie. You've got a lot of Saturday afternoon movies now. 
like on your docket. <laughs> it's true. There's only I feel so like many that's a Saturdays. very specific category of movie for me. It's like a yeah. movie that I stumble upon, but I do not turn off because it's it's just fine enough. enough. I don't have to pay enough attention to it. Yeah. I can just have it on, enjoy it fine, and you know, read Twitter on my phone. X. Oh, my apologies. Read X on my phone. <laughs> Fucking stupid. One note I wanted to I wanted to point out because we we were both blown away by Leonard Nimoy before his credit comes up. I was blown away that the music is done by Marvin Hamlish in this movie, really? the man who wrote a chorus line. He did the music, which is odd. I'm not as familiar as with a chorus line, but I am familiar with Mentos commercials, which is what this entire soundtrack sounds like. The beginning yeah. of a Mentos commercial. That's what this whole movie sounds like. If it's not Miami Sound Machine, that is. Tom Selleck, the fresh maker. So... I feel like they could have delved at least into character development. We get a little bit of it. I wish we had gotten a little bit more of it. Probably some of the real estate from the heroin subplot could have gone towards that. It's not a terrible movie. If you like this movie, it's fine. But I feel like I'm just on the 49% line, and I just can't. I can't get over the hump. <laughs> well, dramatically placed hot dog is going to be very upset. My apologies. from D DHD. <laughs> DPHD. Sorry. What do you think, everybody? Email us, your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, 615-576-0525. If you want to become a supporter of the show, go to patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. You can join at different levels. I want to thank our patrons, including Just Cuz. Uh, Lindsay Halleck. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The Scalphosaurus. Dramatically placed hot dog. Zachary Hartley. Travis Vance, Nancy Travis Vance. Tommy Boy is Damon's favorite movie. <laughs> the Zesty. The supreme ruler of this podcast. The Queen, you might say. <laughs> oh, it's getting worse. The McWilly Flat of Cats. <laughs> the Hands of Fate. The Elusive Van Gromkin. Spot a T, Smith. <laughs> a bit of shit on the cartouche. Particle Man. Lindsay Now. That is a maestro. Karen Kurd. That's <laughs> gone to be, be all parts of the British Isles. It's She's just getting Angela a, a Lansbury as Mrs. Potsnap. <laughs> Joshua Frigo. Jonathan Day. Jeremy Powlin. James Taylor. Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon. His Honor the Constable. <laughs> Heather Tuggle. Ah, uh, mm, yes, uh, Dr. Uh, mm, yes, Malcolm's <laughs> heaving mm, bosom. David Maud. Demon's Australian eating. Caroline Amberson. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, make it so. <laughs> Beth Sermont. Thank you all very much for supporting the show. If you want to support like them, patreon.com slash your inner an idiot. Also want to thank our friend Tommy Boy is Damon's favorite movie uh, for <laughs> the theme song for Damon's Problematic Corner. <laughs> Shame on Damon. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone. Um, I Thank think, you. I think you know what we need to do. Bodo, you, Bodo, you, boom. Good night. Sweetheart. Good night, man. And then I have sex with a woman in uh, my room uh, who also wanted me to sing it to her after she heard me sing it to a baby. She's a freak. It's hot. 